This is Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Welcome to Radio Plasma, I'm Johan Vega, and I'm so happy to get this opportunity to get back together and meet with someone I, I know for a long time, and what a small world this is, right? Yeah, man. Otura Moon, and he's the mastermind of IFE. Uh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you making the space for me here. Oh, absolutely. What a pleasure. And... Just, just to give a little bit of, of the, the background of how we know each other. Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. the early 2000s, yeah. and the electronic music scene with all its different streams and variations. Yeah. And by that time, it was DJ Nature. It's, it's the name. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I moved to Puerto Rico in 1999. That was like right when the rave scene was already kicking off and, and uh, I moved above a bar called Don Pablo uh, with a guy named Nio who was uh, from the center of the island from uh, Isabela I believe yeah. and uh, yeah man Mio had a band called Local Doce at the Doce. time I remember playing parties with Mio and Local Doce uh, and then just starting to DJ in the rave scene so they threw a party that was like legendary in this cave in Camoy so I did all three of those I did the ones in the tunnel and yeah man um, I was a young DJ and, and loved to play, and I kind of came at the right time, and so. Yeah. yeah, and I remember we shared together uh, time uh, in a, at a rave in in, in 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 the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was one of so many different yeah. special moments in Puerto Rico, enjoying of music and being in the elements with the nature. So that was. Yeah. Those are experiences like for memories for a lifetime yeah it was a magical time man so as dj you were exploring all sort of different genres which was always what kept people interested and keep listening to dj nature because everything everything went on your on your sets yeah, yeah, yeah. and definitely it showed that you were completely immersed into exploring music in all possible all possible styles and How that phase of being DJ kept evolving as you, as a musician, as a producer, because then you got involved recording with uh, Yarimir Caban, yeah. Ima, yeah. with her second album. And now look at this, this amazing fusion project called Ife. So what happened during this, <laughs> this time where the evolution started to get you interested into into what it is today your your musical journey um so i i, I was definitely at a point where well, when i got to puerto rico i'd maybe been djing for i don't know maybe like a year maybe two but i was kind of doing it for a living when i when i left texas to move to puerto rico and sort of continued to do that in puerto rico as well but i was interested in like 
you know, other artists that were there and the things that they were making. And, and so right away, because I was playing a lot of hip hop, uh, I began to make a lot of friends in the underground hip hop world. And so these are people like, um, you know, who became my best friends, a guy named Don Severo Cantacalaro, who I, I ended up making a group with like, these three individuals, Dan Zavera Cantaclaro, a guy named Doctor Who, and another guy named Drusifer that was called Ciencia Ficción. And that was kind of like my group of homies, you know, like uh, we ended up getting an apartment together in, in Old San Juan and, and in La Perla, actually. Uh, and yeah, there was a bunch of other characters like Conciencia Poetica, EA Flow, uh, Velcro, you know, all these folks. And so that was kind of like a mini home inside of uh, hip hop, if you will. But I was also came from a background that was very punk rock. I went to the University of North Texas and I remember being in, in around the punk rock scene there. And, and, um, and so I was also, Mio, who I was like a roommate with, was like a contemporary of mine because Mio liked everything, you know. Yeah. And I uh, also had a rock group, had, you know. Um, so yeah, I was, I was sort of into all of that stuff. And Doctor Who from my group as well was into that. When, he, when Ciencia Ficción fell apart, he ended up starting a group called Dave La Seis Seis Seis. Mm -hmm and uh, sort of did his thing in that area. And, and so um, at some point uh, I decided I wanted to make music instead of uh, be playing it. And so I was recording a lot of the hip hop artists that were rappers from Puerto Rico and uh, as, long, as, as well as my own project. And also met, uh, or really discovered that Jarimir Caban, who I was already playing with in Cultura Profetica. With Omar Silva. She was a great singer, man, and I just sort of like, pestered her <laughs> to make music with me and, and um, I wasn't able to really be involved with her first record but I did produce her second record which was written in, in part in large part by Rita Indiana uh, and so yeah it gave me the chance to step out of hip-hop and make something that was like you know rock and roll if you will and I remember like having to buy books like how to record electric guitar how to record a drum set how to because I was just used to tracking um, MCs and 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 so yeah, the more I learned, the more I wanted to like, you know, not repeat myself and learn more, you know? And uh, I ended up producing a, a reggae record for an artist named Young Raga at the same time that I was kind of in my off time as I was doing a Pozo for, for Jari. And I love reggae, and so I got to make a reggae record. And it was with a guy that I really believed in, who was Young Raga. And, and so after that, I was like, well, I made a reggae record. I made a couple of rock ones. Like, what else am I going to do? And I suppose I also felt that being a foreigner, because I'm African-American, I moved to Puerto Rico, I'm not ethnically Puerto Rican, I didn't have family there, I didn't know anybody when I moved out there. I felt that if I wasn't making music in Puerto Rico, then I didn't have a reason to be there, that my purpose was to bring, I suppose, the elements and influences that I had being African-American, growing up in Indiana, studying in Texas, and clashing those influences and combining them with artists in Puerto Rico uh, to be able to make something that maybe no one could make, you know, other than myself. And I, I felt that if I wasn't contributing to the music that was there, then I, I you know, I, I needed to move on, you know. And so I was always pushing to be making things. And when I finished that, um, that project at Bolso and, uh, and the project for Young Raga, I packed everything up and I went this would have been 2012, and, and I thought about leaving Puerto Rico and where I would go. And I ended up traveling to, to California and getting a job in like a weed farm. <laughs> and I, I worked for, I don't know, like 20 days and made like 10K, came back, paid rent for six months, and I had decided that I wanted to learn the invisible world or, or try and figure out what it was. And, and so I began to uh, consult with the Babalao, 
who became my padrino in the religion, colloquially known as Sanderia. Uh, and then I began to study Cuban rumba because I, I just always loved the genre. There were a couple of important groups there. There was a guy named Cachete Maldonado who used to play in, in, a, in Bacón de Zumbador, Rest in Peace. And there was a group named New Bayre. That was an incredible group too. And, and so I would see these groups play and being a drummer, it just fascinated me. It was such a rich musical language. And so I wanted to dedicate some time to learn that genre. I knew I wanted to make a producer project, and I, but I wasn't super clear about like, what it would, <clears throat> how I would do it, you know? And I knew I wanted to play with Roomba, so I tried to program it like I used to program on drum machines, mm -hmm. and it bored me to death, you know? And so I said, okay, it can't be programmed, so I'm just gonna stop trying to learn how to play Roomba and make this music. I'm just going to learn how to play Roomba. And it took me like two years of, of like practicing from maybe 9 a.m. till 9 p.m., six days a week. And I did that for two years, man. And, uh, after that, I felt like, well, I'm not the greatest Roomba player, but I, un I understand the language enough to be able to manipulate it and do the things I want to do with it. And after the end of that first year, I realized, like, I can't program this music. I have to play it live. So it occurred to me that I could just add electronic sensors or triggers to the drums, and then I could sit down with people that have played that music for 20 years or, you know, or whatnot, and I don't have to explain to them what I want them to do. They just do it because they already have it in their hands and they do it really well. I'll just change the sounds and perhaps like the the message lyrically or whatnot. And, I, and originally I didn't plan on being the singer for Ife. Like I had reached out to a couple singers and I had trouble getting people to come to rehearsals. And after about three months of just playing drums with guys, I was like, I'm gonna have a go at writing this stuff. You know, I kind of know what I want to communicate. And I just I wrote House of Love first. That was the first thing that I wrote. And, and then, um, I had a friend help me uh, put together uh, Tres Mujeres, which was Beto Torrens and another woman named Kathy Cepeda. And, uh, and then I just wrote the rest of the tunes, you know? And uh, yeah, it, it, it was, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I, actually, I feel that Ife was, was an original idea. And it, it's not very often that you have original ideas. You know, I, I knew that I was the first person to put triggers on hand drums and do what I was going to do with them. And so I, I was, I suppose, I had my wherewithal enough to, to know that if I could capture that on video, I would be able to travel the world. And so I recorded a video with uh, a guy named uh, Luis Vidal, uh, which was the video for uh, House of Love. And I recorded a video uh, for Tres Mujeres. And with those two videos, uh, within, I don't know, four months, we traveled, we went to Europe, played Paris, UK, you know, Portugal, Spain, and we toured Europe, I think, three times that year. Uh, and, and when we came back, uh, I recorded the rest of the first record. So. Is, well, first of all, and I want for everyone listening to this conversation to take note of all the different projects that <laughs> we just mentioned, because it's not only about the, I mean, musicians like Cachete Maldonado, who are part of the, the traditional, typical music from Puerto Rico that identifies a, a lot of the rhythms of, of, of Puerto Rico. But at the same time, you mentioned a lot of independent projects that are part of a scene that possibly people, they don't have an idea it exists, and they are amazing musical projects exploring oh, yeah. all sorts of genres. So you were involved with them. And at the same time, in thinking about the, the reference you make about uh, uh, Don Pablo, Pablo Rodriguez as, yeah. a, as a creator and producer of projects involving cachete and involving other, other yeah. uh, important musicians, 
fusing electronic music as well yep. with some of those interesting concepts that he was doing with uh, the Candela Fest. Yeah, man. And, Legendary. Uh, the, the, broken, uh, the broken beat scene from UK yep. combining with Puerto Rican sounds. You were part of that. You were involved yeah, yeah. in it. And you were able, like you said, to develop a full, completely original idea based on how to keep the essence of something that is organic and naturally played, like a drum. It needs that physical contact of the fingers and, and, and to feel the leather and the yeah. texture of the drum so you can actually make it sound the way it is intended to be. Something that electronically is not, it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. Yet, you figure out a way to put them together and make organic electronic music and at the same time incorporating all your experience and all the learnings that you got through this time, especially now by getting immersed into the, the, the Yoruba and being now officially uh, being, being uh, ordered as, as, a, as a Babalu. Yeah, Babalu. So I think this is the culmination of a very important point in your journey as, as a musician and as a, as a creator that now is bringing such an amazing experience that it was to listen Ife live here oh, in man. Massachusetts. Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh, I, I have great musicians that are playing with me, and these are people that have also studied uh, this type of music. Uh, and just music in general, they're great drummers and great singers, you know. Um, uh, you know, I, I relocated to New Orleans from Puerto Rico after living there for 21 years. Uh, uh, in November of 2020 and um, I went by myself and shortly afterwards uh, a singer that had just started singing with Ife named uh, Maria Rorinska aka Lavoski uh, picked up and moved out there with me and, and uh, it was a leap of faith on her part she was getting ready to go on tour with us uh, when the pandemic happened and, and uh, was really looking forward to that and everything kind of shut down and so I told her, like, look, I, I still want to make music with you. And we did a couple lives together in uh, during the during quarantine as a duet, and they went really well. And she's a great singer and, and pushed me to go farther as a musician. Uh, you know, I, I again, like, I'd never sung a song in my life when I wrote House of Love. I'd never written a song in my life. And so I was always working with singers and rappers because that was what they did, and I felt that that's not what I did. And so... Working with her helped me to to reach a new place, and, and I wanted to continue doing that. And, and so she moved uh, to New Orleans, and then shortly afterwards, one of her students moved out there too, named Beltran, who was also here with us tonight. And it just seemed like the natural thing to ask Beltran to join us because they they sing really well together. And I was finishing up the second Ife record, Yekume, and it's a very singer-esque record, you know, and it's a player-esque record too. And so I, I purposely tried to make a record that was more difficult to play. Uh, and this, the, the, the songs were, uh, I don't know, perhaps more difficult to sing as well, you know. Um, and so it required great singing. Whereas I think like one of the lessons I learned, uh, I, I always use the example of the trepandero. I don't know if you've seen that, right? Yeah. Okay, so the trepandero, for those that are listening, uh, we have a group of drums in Puerto Rico called uh, the panderos that play a music called plano, right? Yeah. And there are three 
sort of frame drums that are small, medium, and large. And usually they're played by three individual people, uh, but there was somebody that came up with a way to play them on a harness, all three at the same time. And it became like, like a thing. Now the trepandero is, is amazing the first time you see it because maybe you've never seen playing a played by one person and it's like, wow, that's amazing. But the second time you see it, you've already seen it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt that like Ife had some of those elements. Like definitely it's an original idea and the first time you see that, you're going to be probably or hopefully impacted by it because it's you, you rarely that you see something you've never seen before. Uh, but the second time you see it, um, it, I would hope that it would impact you as well, but you know, I think the second time it's not about the repandero, it's about the person playing it, you know, and therefore I felt like uh, I needed to push myself harder as a musician, harder as a drummer, and I needed to find musicians that were willing to go to the place that I wanted to go to, which was a level of mastery that was just very, very high and very, very obvious. And, and, um, and so I, I tried to write that kind of music, and lo and behold, like, um, you know, uh, when I moved to New Orleans, again, it was about a year ago, at the same time, there was a young drummer named Brad Broomfield who uh, also moved, and Brad uh, was a, a New Orleans native, but had been away for 17 years, uh, and he learned bata in Philadelphia, and he's a great, great bata drummer. Uh, at the time I met him, he had just finished uh, doing Middle Eastern drumming in Jordan for like four years, and he has a master's in orchestral percussion, and so he decided to move back to New Orleans like a couple weeks before I moved there. So all of a sudden, the one person in New Orleans that could play the music that I had just recorded arrived, you know? And it was just, uh, the, the story keeps going in that sense, you know? I was able to connect with Jarden, who's another amazing musician, uh, Xavier Molina, a young musician that I met too, uh, playing rumba in the park in New Orleans, and, and saw that, like, he paid great attention to detail, he put a lot of love into the stuff that he was doing, and he was a great player and could sing. You know, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, in a matter of almost no time at all, I have an amazing group put together. So, yeah, yeah it's been really lucky. And another important aspect of this is that you are bringing together different virtuous musicians that also, as a group, are showing a representation of different cultures, yeah. which is a reflection of the experiences of what you what you had while being in Puerto Rico, but at the same time being in New Orleans, which is something similar in the terms of blending cultures coming together and this syncretism of different cultures and influences becoming one that is constantly changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. And you put that together as Ife. Yeah, it's, you know, um, I suppose, I asked somebody what they thought about the new iteration of Ife, and um, actually it was Jardin, it was one of the people that plays in the group, and, and Jardin said, well, I think the project is blacker, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, they're right, and I, I did that on purpose, you know. Um, uh, part of my move coming back to... Um, the mainland after Puerto Rico was that uh, I felt that I wanted to connect uh, with other African Americans that were making music and I wanted to uh, mostly connect with black America politically. Um, and so, yeah, I made a point to like find black Americans that were interested in the things that I were doing, I was doing, but also at the same time, like, um, you know, uh, 
I spent 21 years in Puerto Rico, man. <laughs> you know, and uh, and so I just, I, I, even though I'm not ethnically Puerto Rican, I'm deeply rooted there, you know, and so what I do, I mean, I, it's almost as if like I have a split personality in, in that sense, man, you know, uh, and so I think the balance of the group that I have this time reflects kind of all of my journey, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, there's like, you know, uh, gender wise, it's, it's, you know, there's gender conforming people, there's non-gender conforming people, there's African Americans, there are Puerto Ricans, there's Polish American, there's like, there's, there's a whole mix, man. And, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, a world that I, I hoped for and I'm happy that I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, so. So you just released at the beginning of November your latest album and based on the title is a continuation of a previous one that you that you made three years ago. Yep. Um, so yeah, the, the first album was pronounced Ejiogbe, but it's written uh, in a way that it looks like one, 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 one plus one, 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 one. Actually, it's capital I, 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 I plus capital I, 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 technically. But um, that that uh, sign is a sign that's part of the Ifa divination system. Um, and that's the divination system that I divine as a Babalao. And so our job inside of the religion is divination. And we use a sign system that is similar to the zodiac sign, but way more complex. So the zodiac sign system is maybe a 12 sign system. Uh, and if I sh draw the fishes swimming against each other, you know that's Pisces. If I draw a bull, you know that's uh, Taurus, right? Uh, the E5 divination system, instead of being 12 signs, is 256 signs, and they're written in a binary way, uh, either open or closed, or ones or zeros, or something to that effect. Um, so 11111 plus 11111 would typically be written vertically with a lot, like parallel lines running down on one side and, 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 and lines running down on the other with a cross in the middle. You can't do that on a computer, so I, read, I wrote it horizontally. Uh, and it, it ends up looking like, you know, maybe 1,111 plus 1,111 or something like that. Uh, that's the first sign, Ejiogbe. When that sign comes out in divination, it means pure light, open roads, uh, the beginnings of things. Um, it also means separation because you have two parallel lines that never meet. Um, now, the second sign, Yekun uh, Mei, which is the title of this record, would be written 0000 on one side and 0000 on the other side. So if you look at it on iTunes, it looks like 0000 plus 0000, and it's pronounced Yekun Mei. That sign is the opposite of Ehiogbe. Uh, so it's sort of the, the yang to the ying of uh of Ehiogbe. And so when Yekunme comes out in divination, the night is born, death is born. Um, in prophecy, what you need to do is, is embrace death fearlessly as part of a, uh, the, uh, the natural life cycle. All right. Um, so here the energy is perhaps a little bit darker because we're talking about the night. Um, if if the sign comes out and you're in, you're out of sync with the energy, it means that death is at your doorstep. If you're in sync with its energy, it means that your ancestors are giving you strong support. Um, so, yeah, together these signs become yin and yang, and they become one work, one complete work. Uh, so yeah. yeah. And we were able to enjoy some of the tracks of this 
this latest album, the uh, performance, which I will describe your performance here in Bombix as a whole experience. Just that, a whole experience. It was cathartic, it was festive, it was strong, it, it had its moments of pain and suffering and, and sorrow that through the rhythm and, and, and the crescendo and the speed of the, of the beat showed up that need to just blast out and let it go and, and release that, uh, that energy looking for transformation in it. Sure. So, yeah, it was a whole experience. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, the, the funny thing about the, those two signs is Ehiogbe and Yekume are thought to be the mother and father of the other 254 signs. So with those two signs, you can birth the other 254, which means that I'm giving you the building blocks of the universe. You know, you don't need anything else. It's just those two things, and from everything else comes what we understand to be the universe. So uh, it was... You know, um, I maybe didn't immediately think that I was going to make a companion piece for the first record, but it, it sort of made sense after a, a point. And it was funny, I actually, I'm an old comic book collector, and uh, there was a issue of the X-Men that came out in like 86, That's I'll show you my age here, uh, that was dedicated to Storm, and it was two issues written by this guy named, or drawn by this guy named Barry Windsor Smith. And the two issues are called Life, Death, One, and Two. And uh, it was like the first time I probably saw like a black comic book character. And at this point, Storm, you know, was already one of the X-Men. I think it's like X-Men 182 or something. So Storm had been around for a while. But this one was cool, particularly because Storm was also without her powers. And uh, in this era of the X-Men, ended up becoming the leader of the X-Men. And that was something that made an impact on me, too. And, and as I was, like, flipping through old comic books to show to my nephew, I saw these, and I was like, oh, man, this is, like, this is similar to the record that I'm making. And uh, and so, yeah, you know, life throws you signs, and I just tried to take the signs that came to me. And, and um, this record also gave me a chance to <clears throat> explore themes and orishas that weren't on the first record. And so in the first record, I sang to Yemaya and Obatala uh, and Ogun. And here in this record, I get a chance to sing to uh, Shango. Um, I get a chance to sing to Orula, Orifa, and Elegua. And, and those Orishas just have different energies, you know. This is a very political record, too. And, and, uh, and Shango's sort of uh, the, the deity that's associated with justice because when Shango comes down, he strikes down his enemies with fire and lightning. You know, and in, in this moment of sort of political turmoil, I, I, I like wanted to have Shango's energy there, so. Yeah. I think seeing this journey of your process as an artist, as a musician, as a producer, as a creator, and also as a human being, what an amazing way to get together, to uh -huh. see each other after yeah, so many years and, 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 and enjoying what you are doing today, which is, which is powerful, which is inspiring, and which is also a way to pave the way for more artists to continue doing this with an intention of being creative, but at the same time to innovate and to continue inspiring the next generation of yeah. musicians following on the steps of what is happening today. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I definitely, it was weird making music uh, during the pandemic. Um, 
it's kind of funny, it's, it's ironic because um, I wrote this record almost in complete isolation uh, and I played all the instruments basically uh, and sang almost everything until it came time to do the chorus singing. And so, you know, you usually have call and response. I don't want to respond to myself. So, I, you know, I, I had uh, Lavosky there who recorded almost all of the, the chorus vocals and then Beltran recorded quite a bit there as well. Um, but I was, I was really alone in the process and wanting to not be, you know, I, I felt that um, as I, because it took me about three years to do this last record and, you know, I wrote the kind of songs I wanted to play, but I wasn't capable of playing some of them, you know, and it took me a while to find my voice. Like the first record, like a song like uh, um, House of Love. I'm almost whispering the lyrics and it's because I'm a new singer and I'm not really used to hearing my voice and, and I'm timid, you know, and so Prefrashango required a voice that was very full and, and upfront and in your face and I just wasn't capable of delivering that. And it took me, I don't know, man, some of these songs took me, I had the, the beat for them a year before I was able to like actually deliver a good vocal on it and you know or a vocal that I was like yeah that was the one that I heard in my head as I was making this you know and, and so as I'm pushing myself to the edge of what I'm capable of doing I got to kind of a place where I knew I had reached like I, like I want to put this record out I'm not going to get any better so now but I want the music to be better and so there I was able to reach out to people uh the collaborators which is something I didn't do on the first record and uh you know, aside from perhaps Jadimi, you know, and Beto Torrens also sang on the record. And, you know, I don't want to take away the things that they did because they're, they contributed in just gigantic ways, you know. Uh, but here, I suppose I reached out to people that did things uh, that I just don't do at all, you know. So I reached out to a, a guitarist named St. Ezekiel and he guested on um, uh, um, uh, Wednesday's Child. And he also plays guitar on um, Heart Full of Love. Uh, and yeah, he just brings something amazing to the table, man. I, I met uh, a young sort of soul singer when I moved to New Orleans named Lex, uh, who reminded me of like a young Donny Hathaway or a young Prince. And I, I love soul music, but I just can't sing like that. And, and uh, But I want to be around it and I want to learn from it. And, and so I invited Lex to record on the record and he just brings something that, you know, would take me 20 years, maybe never to be able to do, you know? So, And then I worked with, uh, I was able to work with... Um, a woman named Daniela, uh, who has a, a group called the London Lukumi Choir. And I met Daniela at a, uh, at a religious tambour in New York in 2019. Uh, and we just sort of kept in touch. And when I got to the last song on the record, like, I had already had the sketch for it and I had put my own, you know, harmonies on it or whatever. And I was like, nah, I think, like, I would like to end uh, with, you know, um, something that I'm incapable of doing. And I thought about a couple options and I remember Daniela. And I was like, man, I got to reach out to her. Like, she would probably have a crazy arrangement for this. And we connected and she dug the sketch and, and, and uh, agreed to record the choir and just made a really beautiful arrangement uh, that was way, way beyond anything I could have come up with, you know. And, and, and so in that sense, like, even though I suppose I was alone the whole time. And I did all of these things remotely, you know, I'm sending, uh, you know, St. Ezekiel tracks or, uh, you know, Lex, I had seen him on like a, a Facebook Live singing in New Orleans at, at, with a friend of mine, you know, but I'd never met him. And so I hit him up online. Oh, yeah, man, Lex, I'm this guy. And I, I, he came over one day and picked up like a, a, 
uh, like a, what do you call those, uh, um, an interface, and I gave him a mic, and he took it back to his house, and we just emailed drags back and forth. We're in the same city, you know? Uh, so yeah, man, um, it was cool, you know? Um, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, uh, to have musical peers, I guess. So it, the way I suppose that relates to your comment is that, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I too, like, was looking for musical peers and looking for ways to grow, you know? And I wanted to be inspired by other people and the things that they're doing. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a big part of this move. And, and um, I definitely have had people hit me up uh, that are from around, well, last night I was in New York playing and there's a woman who has a group called uh, La Perla, who's a Colombian drummer. Uh, there's another group called La Dama, I believe as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, one of their members was there last night and she and I chat kind of on Instagram all the time. She's an amazing drummer, man. And I'm inspired by the things that she's doing, you know. And so it was great to meet her. Zenia Rubinos was there last night, too. Uh, I think Jenny is an amazing musician as well. And so, yeah, man, I, I, they only know me because of Ife. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's great to have the music sort of be a catalyst for for meeting other artists and, and being able to share and grow and so, yeah. So definitely this is just one point of this journey that continues and definitely more things will come. Is there any plans, any projects that you are working on currently? Um, I, I know like there's a couple songs I want to make for Lavosky, man. She's a great singer and so you know, we'll see uh, if we kick out a, a Lavosky EP. She lets me produce it. We'll see. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm interested in like combining sort of my approach to to uh, production uh, electronically to New Orleans music and just seeing like what you know because I don't I know Cuban rumba you know, well enough, and, and I know the music of the Orishas, all the Bata stuff, but I don't really know New Orleans music and New Orleans drumming and, and whatnot, so there's a lot to really dig into. Um, I would be super curious to, like, see what I could do, like, in a blues context, too. I heard, like, an L.R. Burnside track the other day, and I was like, oh, man, I could do something crazy with that. And uh, there's, a, there's a singer I like called Sun Little that's uh, out to, he's almost kind of like a new blues kind of thing that, yeah, man, I, you know, sky's the limit, man. New, New Orleans is so musically rich, man. It's just, you know, and the city was asleep when I got there, so I'm just looking forward to it coming alive and seeing what's out there, man. Yeah. For people who got captivated tonight at your show, and for people who want to learn more about your work and your projects and everything that you are doing as Ife, how can they get to access this music and information. So Ife is on Spotify and Apple Music, all the streaming platforms. The new record is called uh, Yekun May, but if you were to Google uh, Ife 0000 plus 0000, so four zeros plus sign four zeros, you're gonna find the new album and, and whatever, whatever's written about it and all the platforms. You can also go to ifemusic.com, or I'm sorry, ife-music.com. Uh, we're on Bandcamp too, so I think it's Grupo Bandcamp at ife.com or Grupo Ife at Bandcamp.com. Um, I started like a fake botanica when I got to uh, New Orleans where I basically make 
stuff for the, you know, for Arisha practitioners. And, and it kind of doubles as like a Ife merch store. So I taught myself how to screen print uh, during the pandemic and just started making a bunch of stuff. And uh, all that is, uh, the, the name of the Botanica is Ghost Town Mini Mart. So if you go to ghosttownminimart.com, it's basically like the Ife merch spot. And they, there we, I have like all the vinyl records and, and all that, like, like randomly. Um, there's great radio in, in New Orleans, and, and uh, I was supposed to meet with, well, I met with a guy from a WWOZ, it's like one of the stations out there, yeah. about getting a radio show, his name was Bryce, and I met Bryce at a record pressing plant, and he had just bought into a record pressing plant. I didn't know there was one in, in New Orleans, and so we met there, and it was the same day that I got a quote for pressing the new Ife record. And I didn't really like the quote. I was like, oh man, shipping's crazy. And lo and behold, that day I walked into a record pressing plant and the plant is four blocks from my house. And, uh, I, and Bryce was like, oh, you should press it here, man. Let's press it here, blah, blah, blah. And, and so Bryce like convinced me to press it there and uh, offered me a job. And so I started working at the plant. It's four blocks from my house. And so I was able to like, press the record myself basically wow. uh, and have a hand in the process and, and meet like a whole slew of folks that are, you know, work, we work at the plant, man, you know. Uh, so it was really crazy. It's like some Laverne and Shirley like <laughs> record placing, blah, blah, blah. But I was able to, I, I had sold out of my first record at Hyogbe, so I repressed a Hyogbe and then pressed Yekun Mei at the, the Nola record pressing plant, man. So, you know, Bryce put the records in the car and drove them over to my house and we dropped them off, man. So it's, it's been cool, man. It's a really wild community there, and, but it's been a lot of love, you know, a lot of love there, so, yeah. Well, Moon, thank you so much. Nothing for, to it, man. For this time to reconnect, to catch up. Yeah, man. And also for, for this amazing experience, listening to your music and to, for, for, for putting together this whole project, bringing together young talent, representation, this amazing energy that definitely is something that our our society needs right now in order to oh, to stay alive and stay energized with with something to look forward in, in life and and if it is not music and dance through the joy of being all together yeah, i don't know yeah, what, yeah. What, what it will be yeah, so man. thank you so much for this nothing to it man that's exactly uh what i was hoping for man it was uh Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. And so I'm happy to be able to contribute in some way, man. So, yeah. Yeah, man. This is our conversation with Moon, the mastermind well. of Ife. <laughs> and I hope that you enjoy of this music and support it. Because this is the way that we can continue growing and learning more about multicultural ways of being through music. Cheers, thanks for having me, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.